This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 432 of the Yellow Wall Pods. I'm your host Stefan Wutzko and today I was going to talk with Matthias Suk about the hangover after the Bayern match that was Tuesday's 1-0 draw against Sevilla in the UEFA Champions League. But sadly Matthias did not make it because he had a fever on Thursday. So unfortunately there is not that part of the podcast, but I did have a pre-recorded interview with Daniel Rosbach from Tixtilvergehen, the Union Berlin podcast, to preview Sunday's clash against the league leaders. And uh, I'm thankful for that because it was a nice conversation. And uh, yeah, it's almost an hour long. And I'm sure nobody is too sad if we're not talking about the one all draw against Sevilla uh, in too much detail, just because it wasn't the best game anyway. So um, yeah. Here is the interview with me and Daniel Rosbach. Enjoy! And now, as promised, I'm joined by Daniel Rosbach from Textilfagen. Daniel, welcome back. This is, I think we had it in a pre-talk, your third or fourth time on here, and the first time was around 2016. So it's been a while, but it's good to have you back on and uh, yeah, chat about Union Berlin. Yeah, I'm a veteran of this podcast, I guess. Uh, it's always nice to be back. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Union Berlin. Yeah. So obviously they're in first place right now. They have six wins, two draws, one loss. They're unbeaten at home. They have scored 16 goals for reference. That's three Which is a bit amazing. Yeah, yeah, three more than Dortmund. They have conceded six goals. That's 12 fewer than Dortmund. <laughs> uh, or, or rather six fewer than <laughs> Dortmund. Just... Um, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I was thinking uh, that was a bit much. Uh, no, uh, uh, Dortmund so have conceded it's, 12 goals, so it's yeah. it's, it's half yeah, as it's, much it's as It's half Dortmund. as much. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. um, the goal difference is plus 10, but the XG difference, at least according to FBref, is zero or minus 0.01. So um, so uh, yeah, maybe you'll regress to the mean. Who knows? Or maybe you're just good, <laughs> and the model is shit. Uh, we will discuss I mean, I it. Think, uh, no, no, I think actually that um, your listeners uh, will enjoy the reason uh, for a large part of that discrepancy, which is that we hammer Schalke six one um, <laughs> on on even goal difference, uh, even ex expected goal difference, basically in that match. Uh, that was a really weird match um, where we, I think we definitely deserved to win it, um, but it was very fluky that it was a 6-1. Um, so that accounts for like half of that uh, expected goals versus uh, real goals uh, differential <laughs> um, discrepancy. So um, yeah, a lot of it is due to that. So uh, single game expected goals and a sort of a small N expected goals. We all know not to overinterpret it, but <laughs> it does give a few pointers that maybe Union is running a little bit hot. Uh, but I also have some theories that it's uh, also um, not just um, not just uh, um, a coincidence that that's the case, but there are also some systematic reasons for that. Yeah, uh, in which we shall delve in a second, but uh, I shall yeah. be remiss if I not to mention that Schroeder Becker is your best goal scorer with six goals. And again, for, for reference, uh, Dortmund's best Singular goal scorer right now is Mokoko, who has scored three. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm trying to show sh uh, throw shade at Dortmund a little bit by making this comparison, <laughs> but uh, 
I guess I am. <laughs> um, uh, in in German, uh, there's this, uh, this thing that you sometimes sing when it's appropriate, um, which is gegen Union kannst du mal verlieren. Um, so uh, it's no shame in losing to Union or whatever your team is, basically. Yeah, to, uh, a, a very original so song that uh, Union Berlin fans 100% came up with and not any other team. <laughs> no, no, uh, I, no, I didn't mean it. Uh, I mean, it, uh, it's something that you do with every team um, um, when it's appropriate. Um, that is true. Yeah, this this season is one of those occasions where where you can, um, it's uh, yeah you can uh, revel in that a bit. Well, I'm not I'm never reveling reveling yeah uh, when I'm uh, looking at the schedule and seeing the Union Berlin away game because I know this is going to be a very tough game. I'm pretty sure if you were to design a team from scratch <laughs> with a limited budget uh, to hurt Dortmund in the maximum way possible, then this is pretty much what I would come up with. Uh, <laughs> you have lightning fast players uh, up front, so you can counter really well. You have a super organized defensive side and uh, a lot of automatisms, as I like to say. And on top of that, uh, you have a set piece threat that is just off the charts. Meanwhile, Dortmund uh, have a set-piece conceding threat. <laughs> um, so, um, it's it's not a good matchup for Dortmund, let's just uh, say that. Um, but obviously, um, I've seen Union Berlin play a couple of times here and there this season, but I've not really watched them intensely. Um, I've seen, for example, the game against Bayern, um, where I said on Twitter after the game that uh, in my book Union Berlin were the better team and then I got a million hate tweets by Bayern fans <laughs> telling me that I should look y at the stats. You getting hate tweets from Bayern uh, fans, can't imagine that happening. Yeah, unprovoked, <laughs> unprovoked this time, I swear. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so this is why I invited you here because I want to know more about the current league leaders and since I know we have a big American audience, uh, You may also talk about Jordan Peefock in a second, but um, yeah, um, obviously it is Super Sunday uh, in the Bundesliga because it's first against fourth in case of uh, Union Berlin against Dortmund and uh, second with us third in case of Freiburg v Bayern. And um, yeah, I called it the I called it the semi final uh, for the championship. Yeah, but why why not? <laughs> If we had playoffs, that that would be the matchup right now, I think. Um, so uh, either way. Um, The uh, the funny thing, if you want to call it funny, is that the first two teams, meaning Union Berlin and Freiburg, uh, both have coaches on their sidelines that are at the helm for longer than three years. Meanwhile, I uh, can't say the same thing about any other team in the Bundesliga as far as I know, um, which I think is very good and uh, really tells you the story about Union Berlin, but obviously very briefly <laughs> so uh daniel why are union berlin in first place and not just by luck right now i mean obviously um running a bit hot has something to do with it but the main reason is that they just have a very clear identity um that they execute very well on and also that um there aren't that many sides in the bundesliga apparently who can break down um that defensive solidity that you've already mentioned And also, um, I mean, that makes it sound a bit like I'm complaining about the state of the Bundesliga, which um, would be even less original than that song that I mentioned earlier. Um, so <laughs> I don't really want to do that <coughs> because I think it's actually not that easy because um, while it is the case that Union have a very clear and very stable identity that 
um, also doesn't really change that much from game to game. I think it is um, not that easy to find uh, countermeasures that would reliably work against that because they have sort of um, this uh, sort of uh, Swiss cheese model of uh, of defending that you have several layers of protection and so it's a cut cheese. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if I threw you off, but <laughs> I know Swiss yeah, cheese has actually, holes. I don't. I'm not sure. I eat it layered a lot. Well, actually, I do, but that's a, that's no, another story. No, the point. The point is that uh, the point is that uh, there are holes in different places, but there is. Uh, it's unlikely that all the holes hold up in um, or line up in in one particular path towards the goal. Um, so he's saying the, Swiss the cheese metaphor. has a lot of holes, but they're dead ends. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and in the case of Union, uh, to maybe talk a bit about uh, how they play, actually, um, there's this thing that um, Union is always last in terms of a lot of statistics in the Bundesliga, but uh, among them is high pressures. They basically, um, compared to the rest of the league, don't register any high pressures at all. But actually, they do sometimes press high. Um, it's just very, um, very measured, and uh, they sometimes do that, and then they uh, fall back again and press deeper. And even when they do press high, um, it's unlikely that it uh, actually involves sort of uh, winning the ball uh, high up, but um, just making the uh, the opponents uncomfortable enough to to play bad long balls that then can be converted into um, into fast breaks or uh, yeah um, switch uh, switch of play actions. Um, so that's the sort of the first element, and then the, the main, really main and core thing is that. In almost all matches, there were a few exceptions, mainly the one uh, against Frankfurt. Um, but for the most part, they were very good at sort of closing down the center of play um, and either shutting off the um, the opposing sixes from the build-up play or at least limiting or severely limiting their options playing forward from their uh, position in central midfield. And they're very good at that. Um, Rani Kedira, who... Is one of those really unheralded uh, players that come to Union and just p fit fit perfectly into the system, and uh, that uh, the coaching staff finds a role for that they are um, able to excel in, and he really does that. And he's one of the ever presence in that in that Union side. Um, he does a lot of running, a lot of uh, sort of um, kind of low key defending, but uh, being really effective. And also there are a few different personnel options for the other um, sort of the two eight positions um but basically anyone who plays there um also does all that uh, running closing down work uh, very well uh, may i intersect real quick because yeah. i'm very annoyed that rani kedira plays the number six the anchor whatever you want to call it in front of the defense but he's wearing the number eight <laughs> it's very <laughs> annoying to me already it's like giving zorgen yeah. hazard number 10 Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, Martin Torschby, uh, Torschby, uh he wears number two, but that's for good reasons. Uh, he's one of the eights, um, so that's also a very uncharacteristic number. But in this case, uh, that's to do with um, him being very active in terms of preventing um, us all dying um, in the uh, global climate uh, catastrophe. And um, his wearing number two is uh, a nod to the two-degree warming goal. Um, huh. So yeah, so that's a good reason for an unsuitable number being worn in the Union midfield. Um, so yeah, he's one of the options there on those positions. Uh, another is Andras Schäfer, who we may talk a bit about, uh, but may also um, uh, leave that topic out and you can 
read it on the uh, internet in the dis in the discourse uh, about him. Oh um, yeah, yeah, right. Um, I, I totally uh, forgot that he was the player that had a photo up with a fascist dictator of Hungary, Viktor Orban. So uh, congratulations on that kerfuffle. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure um, you're very pleased. Anyways, yeah, it's it's I'm. <laughs> I'm really heartbroken is the thing uh, because we really loved him uh, ever since he uh, joined uh, in January. Um, and then there's uh, Genki Haraguchi who also does a really competent job there. And also Yannick Haberer who's another one of those uh, kind of unremarkable Bundesliga players who um, who's, I guess, a bit of a, a, a higher tier of unremarkability <laughs> than uh, some previous players that, uh, that joined Union. Um, but who also uh, just... Uh, is really engaged in those midfield roles, um, who really, um, as he says, enjoys doing the dirty work in midfield. Yeah, and so that's the the midfield part of the system. And even if that even if that breaks down, we still have a really really good um, sort of uh, penalty area defense that um, deals with a lot. And a good keeper in Frederik Grenow, who uh, may which may surprise people who watch him at Schalke. <laughs> yeah, uh, that uh, goalkeepers become much worse uh, playing for Schalke uh, is not. <laughs> a new thing um so i've counted correctly so you have uh, schaefer you have uh, habera uh, morton not even gonna attempt it and uh, who was the other Torsby. guy uh, uh, <laughs> sure and uh, haraguchi <laughs> so you have four or five options just for the two number eight positions in central midfield yes. right that is yeah. amazing some of them i guess some of them i guess could play also uh on the sixth position, um, but because Kadira played there basically every minute uh, so far, um, that hasn't really come to play, uh, come into play. Yeah, that, yeah, that it's, is, it's that an is extremely deep. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, because Dortmund do not have much depth on there. They basically have to go through the season <laughs> with like uh, three <laughs> players right now, and uh, that's only because uh, two are injured or hardly available. So um, yeah. Goes to show that other teams are doing a better job with recruitment because uh, they have the depth necessary to go through such a season. And to, especially this season, I think um, your team's depth and um, sort of uh, rotation and whatnot um, is very vital. And uh, obviously the massive advantage that Union Berlin have is that when they rotate, when they change players, that their system is very interchangeable, or rather uh, the players are because the system works so well and everyone sort of understands the role, which is uh, something Dortmund had in the past as well, um, which uh, I enjoyed really a lot, uh, especially in the club years, obviously, um, where it almost didn't matter who played because it was pretty much always the same identity. It has gotten lost a little, but uh, nevertheless, um, I it's fair to say that the 3-5-2 you're playing is pretty much always similar, right? Um Maybe, yeah, um, maybe the the most change. I don't know. I'm I'm just taking a guess <laughs> here, but it's it's mo maybe down to the to the fullbacks that you play. Yeah, or but wingbacks. That also um, that's the position where there, uh, there's the most rotation going on, um, mostly because uh, in between uh, three players, uh, who are Trimmel, who plays on the right, um, Giesemann, who plays on the left, and Ryerson, who. Um, also is half American, um, uh, but plays for Norway, uh, who um, has played uh, a lot more this season than he has in the last few years and can play on either side. So um, it's basically um, oftentimes him and one of the other uh, two guys, um, and depending on which uh, 
which one of them is uh, sort of more fit. Um, Ryzen uh, uh, gets picked for one side or the other, but they also um, play kind of similar, uh, all three of them. Um, Ryzen maybe now the one who's uh, best with uh, the ball at his feet in sort of combination play, but the general idea is that um, both of them get forward. Um, that was especially um, sort of uh, the goal of choice uh, of a new one last year, that... Uh, <coughs> one of the, uh, the wing wingbacks would get forward, would cross it to the other side, and that uh, opposing defenses were sort of never really able to, to grok that uh, the other uh, fullback would uh, come up as well and uh, create an overload on sort of the, the uh, ball far side in the box. And oftentimes uh, that guy would then be basically alone in the box and uh, able to, to convert or uh, maybe do, um, do another cutback and uh, sort of create chance that way. It was really amazing how many goals and assists uh, those three players uh, basically had uh, over the course of last season. Yeah, no, no, it it, it works really well, I must say, and uh, it's it's quite nice to watch uh, how how well it works. And um, yeah, I looking forward to Sunday. I assume that Dortmund will obviously have a lot of possession in their own park or in, in your half, and then get pressed to shreds uh, once they try to combine it into the final third, and then. Uh, you know, fall victim of uh, the counterattacks, and um, I really wanted to talk yeah, about the um, the partnership of uh, Jordan Pifok and uh, Sheraldo Becker. First of all, um, I I know you're not a, probably not an expert on the United States men's national team, but just uh, from <laughs> the performances that you're seeing, do you think that Greg Berhalter should have called up Jordan <laughs> Pifok while uh, they were? Uh, uh, during the last international break, where they were even playing in Germany and had a training camp there and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, assume that you mean the performance I've seen uh, from Jordan in uh, in an Union shirt, not of the USMNT, because you'll be shocked to know that I actually <laughs> didn't actually watch USMNT games. But it, I, I was curious, like I kind of had assumed that PFOC would obviously uh, be going uh, to the to the national team camp. And I uh, just, uh, as they started playing, I noticed that he wasn't and was like confused <laughs> and asked some people on Twitter, uh, so what the fuck is going on with that? <laughs> and didn't really get an answer, probably, uh, probably because they, um, one guy uh, I texted about that um, said that he was busy watching the game for now, but he would get back to me later. <laughs> and I guess uh, that what? he was just too, uh, too frustrated uh, with, um, we're watching whatever happened there. That uh, I can't believe someone not, on Twitter put you on hold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, watching the USMNT is busy and important work. I, yeah, I totally get it's it. So eventful. Uh, to be fair, to be fair, I think he was actually like working the game, so I can. Fair enough. I have sympathy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't just some random dude. Um, anyways, so, uh, I mean, Pavok, um definitely works really well in that Union side. Um, people may know or remember that we had Ty Bovani, uh playing up front last year, who, uh, or for the past two seasons, uh, who was on loan and bought from Liverpool. Um, and he was uh, fantastic. He was really endearing as well. He was really crowd favorite. Um, he also had his uh, sort of weaknesses in this game, which makes it not totally surprising that he um, is not setting the Premier League light uh, world on fire right now, as far as I've uh, uh, as I've followed. Um, but 
this combination that you uh, that you mentioned between Geraldo Becker, who really um, sort of basically since Max Kruse left Union last year in winter, um, uh, Becker has really accelerated his development and uh, is now clearly sort of the the focal point and the, probably also the best player in that team um, for the last couple of months. And he's kind of an easy uh, easy player to uh, to play with for his secondary striker because he's so fast, also technically skilled, um, which also is something that developed in his time at Union. Um, part of that probably is due to confidence that has grown in him, um, but also I think there is some just like uh, minutiary uh, work on his technical ability um, that has progressed definitely, I think. Um and he just creates a lot of uh, a lot of space and a lot of openings for his, his strike partners. Uh, in this case, Pifok, and um, I mean Pifok uh, or Jordan, the whole name thing with him is really confusing. Um, uh, he's a very sort of um, good classic striker. Uh, he's good in the air. Um, he has holder play that is really good, um, or at least uh, fu very functional. Um, and that just uh, they suit each other pretty well uh, because um, Geraldo is uh, someone who who um, really benefits from good holder play because he has the speed and the ability to to do something with those second balls. And um, Union's whole play is directed at getting forward quickly, directly. They play very, uh, not just on counterattacks, but also from sort of builder play. They, they tend to play pretty risky and direct passes and play very vertically. And that leads to uh, to good crosses in a lot of uh, cases, uh, like not just aimless crosses, but crosses that are played from sort of open positions uh, for the crosser, and also um, ideally in transition, uh, which also means that the um, the crossy <laughs> sort of the uh, the guy in the <laughs> middle um, uh, <laughs> is in an open position to convert those and uh, um, and isn't like in traffic uh, all the time when he receives those crosses. And that's, I think, just basically a striker's dream uh, to have free headers uh, in the box um, that he can run onto. Um, and especially a striker like Pifog, um, I think, is pretty much made for that. And that's, I think, why the chemistry between them is so good. And actually, um, last couple of games in Union didn't really get to enjoy much uh, much of their counter-attacking play because um, there were a few games where um, opponents didn't really allow them that. Uh, but I figure that the game against Dortmund could again be one where where that strength really comes to the fore again. You mentioned the Bayern game. Um, in that game, they had a, a couple of decent chances uh, on the counter. Uh, I can imagine seeing that again in in that game. Now, yeah, uh, I most certainly would, uh, especially because Dortmund. I don't think will just sit back the entire time. I mean, I Tasic possibly from all the coaches that Dortmund had is maybe the likeliest to even play that way but uh, it's just not it, in Dortmund's it would be DNA. victory in itself it would be victory in itself to see uh, Dortmund sit back and uh, sort of um, say to Union uh, yeah let's see what you can uh, do to hurt us <laughs> I guess I uh, I would uh, uh, screenshot um, uh, data about that and frame it and <laughs> sort of yeah, a lot of framing going on. Uh, uh, test, <laughs> testament to how much, uh, how far we've come there. Yeah, yeah, we actually talked about that. We definitely do have to frame those uh, four and counting match match day tables where Union just sits uh, 
casually top of the Bundesliga. <laughs> yeah, as as I heard, you're the only team uh, that is yet to be uh, <laughs> toppled from the top of the Bundesliga table since this is your very first uh, lead in the league. And, uh, yeah, it's the sort of uh, uh, anti-flowered. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say dethroned, Position. but uh, whatever <laughs> floats your boat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, fair enough um so yeah uh now obviously i have to ask um we're recording this on wednesday and that means it is uh ahead of the return leg against malmö who um obviously uh will visit the alte försterei tomorrow um and uh that is one question i did have because uh i don't know if you watched dortmund against Sevilla or not um Probably, if you didn't, uh, you didn't miss much. Um, briefly, but yeah. uh, what if you if you watch it, what you could see is a very fatigued team. You know, in the intro, I said uh, the hangover after the Bayern game, and um, it sounded a little bit on your podcast, Textilfagin, uh, like a little bit of tiredness, physically or mentally, is sort of maybe creeping into this Union Berlin team, and maybe it is the slightest advantage if I'm, I'm really holding on to straws uh, at this point uh, that Dortmund could have that uh, you having to play on a Thursday versus Dortmund playing on a Tuesday could be of detriment to your team. Now um, do you think this is going to be a factor for Union Berlin um, at the moment and going forward or is this a stupid question because of course it is it is for everyone. I mean, uh, I wouldn't say it's a stupid question, but I would agree with uh, your last summary. Of course, it is an issue in that sort of all the teams that play in Europe, especially in that super condensed schedule now, have to deal with. Um, but it is something that is sort of intriguing to me because so far, um, as Fischer, uh, I think, have we actually mentioned him by name? Uh, we definitely should have uh, by <laughs> now. Um, as Fischer, um, doesn't believe uh, apparently in rotation too much. Uh, um, I think he's a big proponent of um, players uh, uh, having to have the fitness to do uh, two matches a week. Um, he said, for, or also four or five matches in a two-week period. Um, and of course, we uh, we had the um, the interlal break a couple of weeks ago, so now we're sort of. Um, uh, just right coming into the middle of that uh, block of uh, midweek fixtures um, where you could feasibly say that um, they still had enough uh, recovery time to sort of uh, still get their first 11 on the pitch for large parts. Um, they rotated a little bit against Stuttgart uh, in a game that they didn't play brilliantly in, but in the end uh, managed to win. But I could see um, that this Malmö game and the Dortmund game would be ones where you have to pay attention or pay tribute to the uh, difference in rest, uh, especially for the Dortmund game, because um, I think two days um, uh, more recovery would make a significant difference. Um, so I could see maybe either uh, rotating the game uh, the side a bit more for the Mama match um, and sort of going back to the uh, standard uh, first 11 for the Dortmund game. Um, but also it's that would be tricky to do because the the Mama match, um, the Mama return match, 
would be one where Union can basically secure um, staying in Europe um, in some shape or form uh, over the winter. Um, if we would win, uh, we would be sure to, um, to finish at least third in the group and uh, thereby um, qualify for at least uh, the Conference League. And also, if we if we would win, uh, there would be a really good chance to stay in the Europa League. Um, so that that's also an important game, and uh, um, so I'm not sure. If I had to prioritize one of them, the Dortmund game or the Mama game, which one I would pick. <laughs> so I think it I think it is a is a hard decision for, for Fischer to make. Well I would and, from experience would say it's actually a very easy thing. You need to prioritize the Bundesliga because A, you are in a position, even though maybe you don't want to hear it, to win it. Because you have <laughs> you have the ingredients <laughs> Maybe you don't have the individual quality, but uh, that is not as important as having a functioning team and um, having, a, you know, a, a very organized uh, defense. I think uh, this is sort of the, the rock of a foundation which you can make a Bundesliga winning run with. Now, obviously, uh, you need FC Bayern first and foremost to slip over a million banana peels in the meantime but uh but i heard that they don't have any strikers uh, and haven't had for years uh, so so maybe that will happen <laughs> <laughs> well but also um if you do not win the championship surprisingly <laughs> then you you still have a good chance of qualifying for the champions league and uh, yeah. believe me that uh, as nice as it is to play against royal union saint guala guala <laughs> whatever <laughs> Jula, Jula. I don't, I don't smoke, so whatever. Um, <laughs> more, more importantly, <laughs> uh, playing in the Champions League is better than playing in the Europa League. Is what I'm trying to say, and it's healthier <laughs> for your club's finances too. So there it is. Um, yeah, and that's that's. I mean, that's a crazy thing uh, because um, you mentioning uh, actually winning the league is still something that I uh, I would uh, banish to the uh, uh, to fairy tale land. Um, but we have to face it like um, being a few points up now um, and uh, having that stability and that performance level that we've shown there is a possibility a real possibility um, of qualifying for the Champions League especially since uh, last year we were only a win against third away from uh, from getting there already which is just like mind-blowingly crazy like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean uh uh, that result last year and just being in that position at all is just insane like um i can't begin to explain to you how how uh stupid and uh, stupefying that that prospect is yeah no um, it is, it is amazing because <clears throat> i i like the development of the bundesliga just think about it if both dortmund and bayern lose this weekend against freiburg and union berlin which is not unlikely both uh, at least you, I think. I think it's think, unlikely, but it's conceivable. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is conceivable. Yeah, it is in the realm of possibility. Uh, I, I've like combined the odds and can tell you exactly what the percentages are. However, um, that Bayern lose uh, against Freiburg is not inconceivable, and that Dortmund lose in Berlin is also not inconceivable. So that means you would it have has a, actually happened. Yeah, it has <laughs> in happened in the past. <laughs> So you would have a seven-point advantage over both these teams, which already would be a very nice cushion on considering that uh, both teams more or less struggle a little bit here and there. And uh, I'm, sh I'm pretty sure the 
the World Cup and the ensuing Rückrunde um, is a complete wild card as well. So I don't know how many players you will have playing at that tournament, but uh, the fewer you have, the better it is for you. Hmm. So deleted part of our pre-talk from the earlier discussion <laughs> in the podcast, uh, if you may. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, sure, I'm I mean, sure Greg Bearhalter is a, a consistent listener, a listener. <laughs> be, be, because he totally followed my advice and not called up uh, Giorena, because that way Giorena <laughs> retained his health and uh, did not miss the Bayern game yeah. or whatnot. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually, I was following that and just like... Uh, felt your pain with that one well yeah. you see um, I, had, I had a bit of a meltdown on twitter when he was called up <laughs> and i deleted my tweets because i was being made aware that at least Giorena does not have to travel across the atlantic twice because he was in fact playing in germany and spain but nevertheless yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did pick up an injury even though i was assured by uh usmnt experts that uh the USMNT medical staff is uh, so uh, so professional that uh, something like another injury would never in a million years happen, and uh, yet here we are. Yeah, but but uh, I think you mentioned in your previous episode that Giovanna could get injured crossing the car park as well. So yeah, I mean, I, I love, I, I like the guy. Um, I, I like his play, but does seem to have issues there. Yeah, but anyways, um, back to the point. Um, <laughs> I think um, I, I would be um, really interested in uh, in knowing how they talk uh, about their aims for the season internally. It's a bit of a meme that um, Union uh, still only aims for staying uh, in the league and not getting relegated, and which it's mean based in, in fact because I think that really um, is still their top priority. But it would and. It, and that doesn't really change even with that fantastic start that we had. Um, but on some level, of course, they're also professional sports people and want to achieve the maximum that they can possibly achieve. Um, and I, I really wonder, like, I can't imagine that they uh, seriously um, uh, sort of have um, have Jamie Vardy posters up all over the dressing room um, <laughs> or Christian Fuchs. Um, but uh, but it, it would surprise me if they wouldn't sort of try to improve on what they achieved last year and and it's also interesting how that sort of yeah uh, as we started uh, talking about uh, shapes sort of the priority is for the games um in some of the uh, european games last year or even this season um you did see that there was some more experimental rotation uh, we have the guy called uh, Timoteo Puchac. Uh, who we also call uh, Euro Uhu, uh, because <laughs> his name uh, Puchac uh, means owl in German. Uh, uh, owl, it means owl in Polish. I was going <laughs> to say, um, wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, in Polish, obviously. Um, so, any, uh, I think he hasn't actually played ever in the Bundesliga or almost never, um, and only in European matches in the two years that, he, that he's been at, at Union. Um, so that's uh, one uh, one part where you can maybe uh, see that that kind of prioritization is in fact going on, um, yeah. And also, also the uh, the European games are such a different rhythm for Union right now um, that it's maybe not sort of the same challenge, and that you maybe uh, sort of can have uh, slightly different teams for them. Yeah. For example, um, guys that we haven't mentioned yet uh, are Jamie Leveling and Tim Skarke. 
who are also uh, new signings for Union. And I could see them, for example, having a, a big impact uh, in the European game and maybe not so much in the uh, in Dortmund game. Um, although um, they could also be options to sort of keep that counter counterattacking threat alive. Yeah, I was uh, uh, gonna ask um, about uh, how your European campaign and your performances uh, in the Europa League um, sort of. Uh, I juxtapose against the Bundesliga performances because you're obviously not on top of your group, and uh, I think everyone, every game so far, only had one goal in it, and either you won one nil or you lost one nil. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, how how is that going, and uh, what are maybe the uh, learnings or or the things you learn about Union Berlin in in Europe and uh, how they fare there? Yeah, I think the. Uh, the Union Derby against Royal Union saint uh, That was really just a, a bad day at the office um, on the first uh, European night at the Alte Festerei. Um, and that was just a bad game. Um, we still could have won it, uh, just missed chances, um, allowed a couple of counterattacks from them. They basically um, sort of uh, yeah, played the kind of uh, sitting back and counterattacking style that we are used to um, employing ourselves. And we could still have won that, um, or at least sort of uh, not lost it, um, but just was a bad game, uh, especially in the first half. Uh, um, the Braga game, uh, I mean, Braga is a very established uh, European side. They are, um, they are accomplished, they are um, uh, technically gifted. Uh, and they top of the league in uh, Portugal? No, they're third, sorry. Uh, at least uh, uh, at some point they were, I think. Um, and Union basically um a thing in my mind was clearly a better team in that game uh just didn't score again <laughs> um missed a few really good chances uh and conceded a, a stupid goal um in sort of three levels of stupidity <laughs> in that goal um so that would i would also chuck that up as a sort of an unfortunate loss and then um as opposed to that the the Malmö win uh, with which was overshadowed by stupidity of another kind um That was maybe a bit more on the fortunate side for Union because uh, especially in the first half, nothing much happened there. Normally, I think had a better chances, um, but didn't really threaten uh, uh, in the end. And then Union uh, went down to 10 men, but still got one of those uh, kind of counter-attacking goals uh, where Robin Knoche showed his, uh, his absolute fucking class <laughs> with a really brilliant assist uh, from from the back line. And, uh, uh, and Geraldo scored. Uh, and then we nothing much happened after that in the game so I think we're in that group um, the sort of differences in quality aren't that much, uh, that great uh, that there would be a huge sort of uh, gulf between the teams and basically every game can uh, sort of unfold in its own dynamic and uh, randomness <laughs> so I think everything is possible in that group still Yeah, well, um, it wouldn't, uh, like it wouldn't surprise me if um, Malmo, who uh, now don't have any points yet, um, if they would sort of uh, be a bit um, a bit down on the others, uh, but the others would basically all finish on level points, and um, I don't know the UEFA uh, would sort of uh, cast dice um, as to who goes through. Yeah, so let's circle back to the game against Dortmund, <laughs> and uh, why don't you tell me uh, what your uh, Fears are obviously my biggest fear is obviously set piece goals. I 
I would be surprised if Union didn't at least score four in Dortmund, <laughs> uh, considering how well Dortmund defends set pieces this season once again. But um, obviously, as an opponent, you also have some concerns and worries uh, if you have to face Dortmund, I assume. So uh, if there are any, which are they? Um, there are 11 uh, positions on the pitch where uh, Dortmund has the better individual players than Union. Um, mm. well, at least close. <laughs> at least it's close. Like a guy like uh, Nico Schlotterbeck, <laughs> um, who used to have and uh, used to uh, love at Union the year he spent here, um, has made another jump <laughs> in his time in Freiburg and now plays for you guys. And um, like the sheer difference in quality is just immense. And um, uh, it's eminently possible that Union just loses a few one-on-one -on -one duels um, at Dortmund show their class and that they find those uh, um, levers to break down uh, Union's defense and just score. And like it's not a coincidence that um, while Union has been winning uh, some of the games at Alte First Drei, um, Dortmund has also hammered them at, at home on various occasions. I think Union does have... Uh, um, Uh, or has progressed from uh, from the side that lost 5-0 in Dortmund a few years ago. But sort of results on that sort of end of the spectrum are still very much in play. Um, and, uh, yeah, <coughs> it's a bit hard to uh, to name specific scenarios because I think um, those uh, differences in just individual brilliance can can occur in, a very, uh, in numerous ways on the pitch. And Avignon, um, we mentioned the whole uh, fatigue side. Um, the bare uh, the bare necessity for Avignon to play uh, successfully against a side like Dortmund is sort of bring that uh, absolute intensity. And if for whatever reason they aren't able to do that and are just a bit too far away from from Dortmund's build-up, if they just don't uh, sort of um, get to be as aggressive as they want to be just because they are a bit a few steps too far away from uh, from the du uh, duels in in defense then um yeah it's very easy to see uh, uh, that pressure sort of not uh, not finding its target in uh, Dortmund scoring and just uh, sort of also it's also always possible to kind of run away with a game like that for a side like Dortmund against a side like Union I guess, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm not very optimistic about this game, but uh, maybe Dortmund surprises me. Um, I know uh, that uh, they can dig deep as well if uh, they have to. And uh, I mean, last season they actually won 3 nothing away to Union Berlin, which I think was the first win for Dortmund at the Alte Försterei. And uh, actually a game where Union Berlin were very harmless and uh, Dortmund surprisingly... Uh, efficient in front of goal and surprisingly dominant and uh, yeah that felt a very one-sided affair even though obviously it was not the most spectacular game but uh, nevertheless um, as a Dortmund fan that was pretty much everything you could hope for in the game against Union Berlin so um, I don't know if this uh, repeats itself or not but uh, there's uh, certainly always the hope uh, <laughs> that uh, yeah Dortmund's uh, individual quality if nothing else um, yeah, makes a difference, but obviously um, right now Dortmund uh, do not have the luxury of a lot of automatisms or uh, routines or anything in their in their game where you would uh, that would suggest um, you know that uh, they have a systematic advantage against anybody, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, maybe they can build toward that in the future, but um, you know I'm not sure 
uh, how sustainable it is considering that, uh, you know, you need healthy players for that. Um, so, yeah, Daniel, um, obviously, uh, I don't want to extend this interview much longer, but I have to ask you, um, given that you are on top of the table right now, uh, how much funnier makes this the absolute meltdown, ongoing meltdown <laughs> going on at Hertha Berlin? Um, actually, uh, we're past the funny uh, period. <laughs> well, that, that's that, that's you. I'm still laughing, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I can't deny it. Sometimes <laughs> it's funny, um, but um, I mean, uh, Christoph Biermann, uh, who's one of the really good uh, German soccer journalists, um, made a good joke about that uh, by saying um, that. Yeah, you could argue that uh, 350 million is a bit much, um, but in the end, it was a very good investment uh, in a marketing campaign for 50 plus one. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of the case. And then uh, I'm right now a bit torn um, because when I look at uh, sort of Hertha uh, people, they seem to be strangely optimistic about the state of their club. And in some way, I think they're just completely delusional and uh, aren't recognizing yet. Uh, what a catastrophe, sort of selling out to Windhorst and uh, um, the catastrophical nature of his investment has been. But also they have a point um, in that uh, Windhorst can't really do much to uh, further hurt the club. And um, I mean, it can always get worse in terms of money, I guess. Uh, um, you could always uh, get worse investors uh, um, as, a, as a look around the football landscape shows. Uh, can always get worse um but also like uh they have nothing to lose than uh, other than their chains so to say um so uh yeah looking for a bright spot uh on the shelton books guys i mean for what it's worth um i can understand optimism in the herd of fan camp just because the team is playing much better this season than last season so from that standpoint yeah. i understand that they might be a little bit happier um, this but I also don't trust their. I, I also don't trust their team because I see that they uh, play better. I see that they should have good players, but somehow I um, I don't trust them to sort of weather their them not getting uh, any results really yet with those with that play, better play. Um, well, they got a two-all draw against Freiburg uh, and were one goalkeeping mistake away from winning that game. So uh, yeah. That, that was a, a positive sign, but I, yeah. I would as count as I said, that as a positive, uh, <laughs> if I'm yeah. honest. It, it's, just, it's just a feeling that I have that I'm not sure that uh, that, that will last and continue to grow. But they have uh, they should have the potential to be much better than they are. Well, yeah, obviously. But, uh, you know, that's uh, just Bundesliga for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, Daniel, thank you so much for would coming a, on. It would be a fun game, uh, fun game to play. Uh, uh, how many sides you could uh, apply that sentence I just said uh, to. Um, I think I would set the over-under at 10. <laughs> Probably. I mean, um, you can uh, start with Dortmund. I think they're underperforming. Then you obviously have Bremen, you have Cologne, you have uh, um, uh, Hamburg. I don't know if you want to mention uh, Frankfurt and, and Gladbach. Um, there are so many teams. You can even lump in Kaiserslautern or uh, an Essen or something like that. Um, there are a lot of teams that uh, should be doing much, much better than they are. So um, there's that. But, um, yeah. you know, um, just off of the top of my head, there are a lot of clubs <laughs> that should be doing much better than they are. And uh, yeah. it's it's a bit of a shame, to be honest. Yeah. 
I mean, in a narrow sense, uh, just applied to the Bundesliga in sort of sporting terms right now. Like, uh, so I was thinking more of your Leipzig's, uh, uh, yeah, I guess yes. also them, uh, but uh, also Wolfsburg, uh, Leverkusen, all the plastic clubs for some reason have really disappointing seasons. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe Leipzig are uh, on on the way back up. They they seem to have, you know, turned the corner a little bit under Marco Rose, if I'm honest. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. Um. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for coming yeah. on. Uh, it was a pleasure to talk about Union Berlin, and I'm really excited about uh, the game as much as excitement you can muster for playing Union Berlin because it's never really <laughs> fun, uh, from an opponent's view. Um. So, what's your scoreline prediction? before I let you go. Yeah, I, I still um, have to get into the mood for that game because as we talked about at length, uh, we have another game tomorrow that uh, I'm heading to the Alte Festreite. Um, but let's say um, I'd rather be delighted than disappointed and um, I'm going to predict a 2-1 loss for Union huh. um, and just uh, yeah let the team surprise me once more. Reverse jinx, I see. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, yeah, I'm uh, predicting uh, uh, also two one, also for Dortmund. So I'm just gonna match you there and uh, hope doppelt held besser. So um, <laughs> yeah, thank you for coming on. Uh, people can follow you on Twitter at uh, da underscore Rosbach, and uh, you know two S's obviously can have the Schaffer S in uh, your Twitter handle. But uh, yeah, thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on. And, yeah, uh, follow me there for discussion of all Union's uh, off-the-pitch issues, yeah, and which are numerous uh, right now, unfortunately. Yeah, you can also, if you're German or can understand German, you can listen to the Textilvergehen podcast, which obviously uh, has been a staple among uh, German football podcasts uh, for a very long time. And, uh, you know, I can always recommend yeah. that. I may have mentioned it before when I was on here. Uh, we have one episode in English, which I think <laughs> was something like episode 304. The fuck out of like here with your one episodes, English episode uh, that no one's listening yeah. to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I think there's a, an English uh, Union Berlin podcast uh, too, isn't there? Um, State of the Union? Yeah, or it's... Uh, <laughs> no, that's the, our daily blog format, which oh, is uh, for the most part in German. Although some people um, criticize me for using too many English phrases in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, there is actually an English-speaking podcast about Union. It's called Matushka's Right Pack um, <laughs> after our former midfielder. Um, but they are on a bit of a hiatus because I think they had some uh, sort of uh, technical issues and website issues and so on. But I have uh, done a few episodes uh yeah, where can sink your teeth into, and I think uh, Man and Blazers uh, recently did a, a podcast special on Union. So there's some English-speaking Union content out there for you to sort of get to know the club a bit more. All right, very nice. Uh, once again, thank you very much for coming on, and uh, that is it for this week. We will be back with another episode after the Union Berlin game, and I think it's in the DFB Pokal. I'm not entirely sure of another Champions League route. One or the other, but we'll discuss it. So, as always, everyone out there, thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.